Sacred Ordinary Days podcast. I'm Jen Giles Kemper, and you can find me at sacredordinarydays.com. And I'm Lacey Clark Elman of asacredjourney.net. For season one, we're journeying together through the liturgical year. So grab a cup of tea or coffee and join us at the table. Happy New Year, Lacey. Happy New Year, Jen. I feel like it's come so quickly since we've last spoken. It has come quickly. And I know that we'll have some listeners saying, okay, guys, uh, the new year started with Advent, <laughs> not with January true, 1st. True. But I don't know. I'm for celebrating fresh starts. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll take that Wherever they come. Uh-huh. I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> Before we dive into today's episode, we wanted to circle back around to the retreat that we mentioned in the very first episode of the podcast. You'll remember that we told you we were hoping to turn the online relationships that have been blossoming throughout the course of listening to and discussing this podcast together and turn those into offline relationships as well. There's just something so unique that cannot be replicated online um, about sharing a table and looking into each other's faces as we speak and listen. And um, we're really looking forward to getting to know you in real life. So our retreat will be in Waco, Texas, where I live, on May 27th and May 28th. So we'll start Friday evening with appetizers and gathering together at 6 dinner at seven, and then we'll start Saturday morning, May 28th at nine o'clock. And we'll be done with kind of the core content, if you will, on Saturday at about 5.30. And then we'll start again, regathering together at six with appetizers and dinner at seven. So the core of the retreat will be um, on Saturday, but of course, that time around the table Um, will be such a big part of it. And we hope that you can join us for all of it. We'll also have some um, excursions, as Lacey's (laughs) called them. (laughs) Travel speak. For Sunday. Yeah, traveling excursions uh, for Sunday afternoon. And so we hope that you will come and make a whole weekend of it. If you do come and make a whole weekend of it, you can even head home um, Sunday evening and have the whole day of Monday off as it's Memorial Day to to kind of land softly at home before Mm. you get going again, which I think is such an important part of traveling and time away is is that soft landing at the end. Um, Or you can just join us during the day of Saturday. So now that you have um, the times and dates You can combine that with what works for your schedule and start booking flights if you like. And then we'll have more information and you'll be able to actually buy a ticket starting um, with the next episode, which will release on January 20th. Okay, so Lacey, how was Christmas for you? Christmas was really good to start with and also really fast, I think. You know, I was really excited about our conversation, and um, I released it while I was at home in Missouri while Mm. we were visiting our family. So that kind of happened the week before Christmas, and we actually left there Christmas evening. So I was, as we all were, I'm sure, ready to transition from Advent to Christmas. And uh, we got back 
to Seattle with the Christmas season ahead of us. And and there, there it was spacious, and there were remnants of the season. And also, my husband doesn't get much time off around Christmas, and so it's always interesting to be having one person work and the other not and so I've been mm-hmm. I've been navigating that it wasn't I guess I'm trying to say it wasn't all that I hoped and yet at the same time I feel like if I depend too much on that then I miss it entirely and so I've been mm. reminded throughout the season and carrying that that theme of light that we talked about in the last episode with me to catch myself in the moments where I feel caught up in you know, tasks or errands that I convince myself are really fun at the beginning and then, you know, then take <laughs> hours or down the internet hole or something like that. And, and the word light comes to me. And so that has been drawing me back in. And sometimes it's light, like, where can I find the light, the light of the Christmas tree? And maybe it's just like sitting by the Christmas tree as I do this. Other times it's um, light, you know, spiritual light, um, recentering myself there. And so... It's been, yeah, it's been not as I expected and every bit, as you've said, uh, a teacher, and Mm -hmm. especially, I think, as we enter the new year and draw closer to the light um, that guides us with Epiphany. What about you, Jen? Yeah, Christmas was hard. I found myself pretty aware of all the places that Christ has not yet come in me. (laughs) Um all the places that my thinking and feeling and actions are not transformed and in need of transformation. I was way down deep to my bone, exhausted. Mm. And gosh, anytime who's anybody who's spent any time around a toddler when they're tired knows that um, exhausted is not a good place to be. And... As adults, I think we're just as we're just as poor behaving <laughs> when we're hungry and exhausted as um, a lot of toddlers, but we think we're not. Um, so I was I was aware of that, and I've had to do some apologizing, and I've also had to do some creating space for myself. I know that um, being all together for several days is. Um, is really important to our families, but I also know that, um, that may not always be something that we can do in the future. And so we're trying to figure out what that, what that looks like. Um, we also, thanks to all the planners arriving and I'm so grateful that folks are excited and they're finding it helpful. And so they want to share. Um, but because of all of that, we actually sold out of every single one of the printed edition of our planners. The PDFs are still available at gumroad.com slash sacred ordinary days. You can get the planner and the art prints because both are sold out. Um, but yeah, it just, it made for somewhat of a working time uh, more than the pause that we had kind of hoped for, you know. Of course, we're very grateful and also adjustment of expectation, mm-hmm. right? Both. 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 Mm-hmm. That's, the, that's, that's the practice. The that's where it is. Yep. That's the legacy of the both and of Advent, I think, mm-hmm. is holding that both and in the mm-hmm. other seasons. Um, but yes, I have. I've really tried to approach the season of Christmas as a student. 
And I've noticed a couple things about really good celebrations. Um, you have to be fully present, and mm. that's hard when you're exhausted. Um, and they do require time for preparation and then time actually set aside for the celebration. You know, you if you're going to spend a lot of time preparing to cook a meal, you want to really savor it as you're eating it as well rather than rushing through it. And I think there are definitely moments where we've done a little bit more rushing through the actual celebration than we meant to or would want to. Yeah. So I'm taking note about that. And another thing I was particularly aware of, and it may have just been because we were in Colorado, um, where I felt like all of my senses were heightened because it's so far out of my norm. Mm. Um, good celebrations, memorable celebrations, lasting celebrations seem to engage all of our senses. And I mean, you know, we all know what Christmas smells like. And so I'm, I'm excited about carrying some of that with me and figuring out where to go and celebrations moving forward. Yeah, having those sounds, tastes even, particular to each season, not just Christmas. Mm-hmm. So, Lacey, as we're transitioning out of the 12 days of Christmas and into Epiphany, what sorts of things should we be mindful of? Well, as we've said, Epiphany is January 6th, and it follows the 12 days of Christmas. I like to think of it as a capstone or a bookend Mm -hmm. of the season. Some people mark it solely as a feast day and allow it to transition them into the first season of Ordinary Time, which we'll touch on a little bit in more the next time we gather. And others mark it as a season from January 6th until Ash Wednesday, which, depending on Easter, could make the season five weeks long all the way up to nine weeks long. And so Hmm. that varies year after year. But like Christmas, the colors are white and gold. And so carrying on in those themes. And I especially love the kind of allusion to, to the star. And that's because it's commemorates the visitation of the Magi or the wise men to the Christ child. So they followed that star to lead them there. And I feel like that connects us to the word epiphany, the meaning of epiphany as well. Epiphany by the dictionary definition means a manifestation of a divine or supernatural being, which of course we have here in the birth of Christ, or a moment of sudden revelation or insight, which I feel is connected as well. And so the themes for Epiphany are revelation, insight, as we've just said, awareness, quest, when we think of the Magi and divine guidance, following your intuition, following signs, following calling and dreams, manifestation, as we mentioned before, and baptism, as we'll touch on in just a minute, and also feasting, which I'd love to know. We were talking about a bit earlier Uh, if there's a difference between feast days and holy days, and you were kind of highlighting some things for me that I'd love for you to share. Yeah, well, I've I've been thinking of um, a lot of the moments that we share in the planner, the special days, we've been referring to them as holy days, um, because some of them are days of fasting Mm. and not days of feasting. 
And I think that distinction between a feast day and a fast day or a feasting season and a fasting season, um, you know, that that's a strong arrow. It, that tells us a lot about the yeah. season already. Mm-hmm. And so knowing that epiphany like Christmas is a season of feasting is, well, you know, you know what direction things are mm-hmm. going in. And so it starts with the actual day of Epiphany on January 6th, and it celebrates the revelation of God as a human being in Jesus Christ. And so the three events in the life of Christ that are associated with the Feast of Epiphany are the visit from the wise men from the East, or the Magi, as Lacey said, um, the baptism by John, um, baptism of Jesus by John in the river, and then also the miracle of Jesus turning water into wine at Cana. And what I love is each of these are different ways of the aha of who mm. Jesus is, mm-hmm. um, different ways that that's represented, different angles. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Um, different epiphanies in a way. Different epiphanies. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. So the baptism is often celebrated on January the 10th, um, and that marks the beginning of Jesus' public ministry. And then February 2nd, a little further in, we have the presentation of the Lord, which celebrates um, the presentation of Jesus at the temple. And this one is always celebrated 40 days after Epiphany. You know, some dates in the liturgical year are fixed on a certain date, like Christmas on the December 25th, of course. Um, and then others change depending on a number of factors. And so I, I don't know, it's helpful for me to know which is which. And then the transfiguration of the Lord, um, is celebrated on February 7th, which is the last Sunday before Lent begins, um, on Ash Wednesday, which is February 10th. Um, and this is again, another epiphany, um, it celebrates the miracle of Jesus becoming radiant and being transfigured. Um, so many miracles mm-hmm. in such a short yeah. period of time. And then you end with that cool. brightness again. When you picture a eureka moment, mm-hmm. even if you're picturing a cartoon, <laughs> all of them have like this big poof of light, uh-huh. you know? Yeah, and I love how even I like to picture picture the liturgical season as a few sets of journeys, and we've got Advent, Christmas, Epiphany as the first set. And so we've kind of got the light slowly mm-hmm. showing up in Advent and then the feasting in the present at Christmas. And then I think we take it into the world and we see, we read about how Christ took that into the world and we're invited to do that ourselves. Yeah. And it's even called the cycle of light, mm. which um, seems fitting. Definitely. So what's meaningful to you about Epiphany? What really resonates with you? Well, I feel like since my work began around the practice of pilgrimage and now kind of finds its its way through literal pilgrimage and travels, but also um, metaphorical pilgrimage in our everyday spiritual journeys. And so to me, what stands out about particularly the story that we talk about at Epiphany with the wise men is that they were the first Christian pilgrims, meaning that they were the first Hmm. to travel seeking after Christ. And a phrase I use a lot in my own work, um, and I feel applies to both my journey, our journey, um, and the 
the Magi is seeker of the sacred. And I mm. feel like they, it's important to note that they weren't followers of the Jewish faith. And as we talked about a bit last time, you know, Christ being born in a state, you know, <laughs> he appeared in ways we did not expect. And those who you would have thought would be looking weren't looking in those in those places. And so in the same way, those who were the first Christian pilgrims weren't followers of the Jewish faith, and yet they followed Christ's star in order to come. And they, this is a direct quote from Scripture, what they said to Herod, to come worship the newborn king of the Jews. And I feel like mm. there's three ways that they found this true path to Christ that so many others were missing that can invite us to find that path as well. And the first is that they studied the prophecies. They looked for the signs. Some people say they were astrologers and so looking for the signs in the heavens. And then they followed that path, seeking out, as we talked about throughout Christmas, the light and the light in the sky, the light of Christ for the world. And so I feel like in the same way, this is where I get really excited about pilgrimage as, you know, (laughs) some people... Just think of it as um, you have a particular interest or this is one spiritual, uh, ancient spiritual practice of seven. But I kind of just think that it's all of them. So (laughs) that you find it if you start looking through the eyes of a seeker, which aren't we all. Um, But we're called to be pilgrims on a journey in search of the sacred. And so in the same way as they studied the prophecies, we are called to seek out insight. And that could be through scripture. It could be through mentors. It could be our favorite sources of inspiration and guidance. And we are called to, like the Magi looked for the signs, tune into our intuition, that place of conviction within. And I I feel like that's the place where the Holy Spirit dwells, the place where human and divine meet. Uh, In spiritual direction, we sometimes call that place the inner witness. And so that is where your true self lies. And that, I think, is where... Uh, your intuition speaks from. Hmm. And then the third step as with the, with the wise men is following the path laid out before us from this insight, from that intuition, that guidance of the Holy spirit. We follow that star of wonder, uh, that call of the divine and seek out that path wherever it leads. And so I feel like epiphany serves as an invitation to name the manifestations of the divine in our everyday lives and cause us to pay attention to the signs so that we too might become seekers of the sacred. Or in fact, not just become, but live into that calling because I think it's a calling for each of us. Hmm. What about you, Jen? What's meaningful to you about Epiphany? I love thinking of this as as a cycle of light, Mm. and that's new for me. And so I see Epiphany really as the culmination Yeah. um, in some ways that, you know, Christ has been born, and we celebrate that in Christmas, but that Epiphany is about um, that balance of, you know, the disciples coming to him and saying, we want to see Jesus. And so he says, come and see. And then not much later, he says, go and tell. And Epiphany for me is the embodiment of both of those, Mm. um, that what we're doing is we're drawing near to the light and then we're, we're carrying the light forward. And I especially love that in the Orthodox tradition that they, um, use a different word, theophany, um, which really is about placing the emphasis that God is 
the source of that epiphany, that it is God shining forth and not just some random aha. Um, so I've been, I've been playing with what it would look like to think of this season as a theophany season instead of an, an epiphany season. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like that it celebrates the seeing and knowing mm-hmm. and shows that it's valuable and worthy to pause and reflect on what the epiphany moments are in your own life. And I know I'm going to be setting aside some time to thank some people who are involved, um, who've been involved in the epiphany moments in my life, in my life. Um, I'm actually going to be writing some thank you notes to some authors that have been, Hmm. um, really transformative for me, whether Mm -hmm. it will ever make it, make their way to them or not. I don't know, but, um, and then I'm thinking I have some Sunday school teachers from my childhood that also deserve a thank you note. Um, I love that as you're describing this, you know, writing to authors or Sunday school teachers or whomever that um, have sparked those epiphany moments in you. And then as I'm thinking of the wise men, that they changed the trajectory of your path. No doubt. That, That one moment, that aha. And I feel like that, as an excellent practice of of knowing and recognizing those moments in our lives, and you can see it with the wise men too. The even they their path on the way home was changed because of that theophany, that mm. uh, epiphany sourced from God through their dream. I might have to do that myself. Those letters. <laughs> well, and I think those aha moments come in lots of ways. Sometimes it's a slow dawning. Sometimes it is kind of a a moment, um, experience and, or, you know, a series of, of moments. Um, but I know for me too, obviously my family is a big part of that. And so I'm hoping to set aside some time and evening just with, um, my parents and my brother and kind of celebrating and saying thank you and, and learning. (laughs) Um, so for you, it may be, um, a baptism moment or depending on your tradition, a confirmation moment, or, um, maybe it has nothing to do with those sort of big outer moments. Maybe it's, um, maybe it's the moment that a friend sat with you and held, um, a fresh wound or, Mm -hmm. or, freshly reopened wound. Um, It could be the dark moments too. Absolutely. change our path. The other thing about this season that um, I'm really excited about and thinking through is that um, in Joan Chittister's book, The Liturgical Year, it's a part of her ancient practice series and she calls it the spiraling adventure of the spiritual life, which I think is a fun fun title. Um, But she reminded me that the church has actually cleared the liturgical calendar several times, um, wiping out feast days that had crept in and kind of taking things back to the core, the essentials. Um, and for, you know, a number of reasons, the most recent one was in the fifties, the 1950s that is. Um, but in the most recent clearing, um, the church went back to, um, leaving all that, remains in the calendar be directly related to the life of Christ, that while a number of other um, saint remembrance days and and feast days and fast days, all these things 
are valuable and helpful. Um, but for the core liturgical calendar, um, everything is related to the life of Jesus. And I, I really appreciate that in this season of Epiphany, as we're thinking through um, the public ministry of Jesus and his embodied life in the world, um, I'm glad that there's an invitation to think about our embodied life in the world yeah. um, as a season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, and that's what Christ says, you know, when he says, even you will do greater things than I. I think essentially that's saying that these are one and the same. Yes. That we model yep. our life after Christ and that the ways he serves, the ways we serve. It's and then that and that's what the hope of Christmas too, God with us, that it wasn't just us looking back and studying this, but it's how do we do this today? And how mm-hmm. is Christ still with us today? The epiphany of it all. As you're thinking through what it looks like for you to embody this season, um, you know, one of the resources that we've created is um, the Essentials Workbook, which you can find at sacredordinarydays.com slash podcast. And if you have the PDF of the workbook, it's on page 24 that Epiphany starts. And there are a couple days of resources there for you. And if you have the full planner, obviously you can turn to Epiphany yourself. There aren't page numbers, but if you have the PDF of the planner, it's on 74. Um, and yeah, it's just a time to look at the actual practice of the season, how you engage with it. So Lacey, what about you? How do you mark Epiphany and what practices are you playing with? Well, one thing that we are slowly involving in our Epiphany practice, and I referenced this briefly, I think, when we talked about Christmas and um, and even in the season of Advent when I talked about marking St. Nicholas Day and doing stockings then. And then in Christmas, I talked about, you know, Christmas Day, almost like if there were blocks on the table, clearing clearing the things away so that Christmas could be about togetherness and light. And so we've got, you know, the gifts and stockings on St. Nicholas. And then also uh, gift giving in commemoration of, of the wise men on Epiphany. And in fact, I'm just finding out that many other cultures, uh, especially ones who celebrate their big celebration is more Epiphany or Theophany, uh, do gifts more at this time. And so it's kind of fun to discover Ooh. and pull in some of those traditions. But um, it, I heard a few years ago that you could give something that that marks each of the gifts of the wise men. And so gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And so hmm. gold would be something extravagant. Frankincense, which was used in the temple an incense that would be burned and would be kind of this visual representation of your prayers traveling toward God toward heaven and so that could be something spiritual and then myrrh which um, had many medicinal uses but was also commonly used for the embalming of dead bodies Hmm. would be well to to make it a bit nicer for everyday life would be something practical because it was a practical thing but at the same time finding out yeah. the meaning of myrrh I think really adds more intrigue even to those gifts you know the mm-hmm. prophet they follow the prophecies and the prophecies in a way continue or they contribute to them but yes yeah, so something extravagant for gold something spiritual for frankincense and something practical for myrrh. And so that's something that we're starting to practice this year. And I look forward to seeing how that plays out 
and years to come and how how that integrates the gift giving into the liturgical calendar, the spiritual sense of things rather than um, what the commercial world wants it to be for us. I think it's nice too, as you're, you know, you mentioned thinking of Epiphany as a capstone for Christmas. Mm-hmm. It seems like a really beautiful way to put that capstone on. Um, yeah. And I, I feel like we, I should mention, I feel like I didn't even mention this in the Christmas episode, but we've been leaving our tree out too until, until Epiphany. And so uh-huh, it still has too. that Christmas <laughs> picture, the tree, the presents and stuff, but it is that capstone. And I, I love to end in that intentional way. Mm-hmm. We have even left the lights um, on the outside of our house. Yeah. And our, a whole bunch of our neighbors have lights on their house during Christmas, um, you know, during December leading mm-hmm. up to Christmas. Um, but as we, you know, returned home from our Christmas trip with family, mm. pulled into the street, it was already dark. Ours was the only one lit up. Um and Grant, of course, got tickled, and he was like, I cannot believe you're making us leave our lights until Epiphany. Everyone's just going to think we're lazy. Well, of um, course, you leave them until <laughs> Epiphany the light. Right, but I, I don't know. It, it felt like a really beautiful moment it for is. me, even if he was slightly embarrassed or uh-huh. worried what the neighbors would think. Um, Got to be the yeah, light to the world, Grant. You tell, <laughs> you tell him it's uncomfortable. <laughs> yep. Um so yeah, we are actually, this will be the first year that that we're doing this, but um, we are going to do the tradition of um, blessing the door. I with, was reading about that recently. Mm-hmm, Tell me more. Water and incense, and then also doing mm. a chalking above the door. Um, and so you can go to bit.ly slash door chalking, B-I-T dot L-Y. And there's a great blog post, and I had already planned to talk about this, but then sure enough, somebody in the Facebook group posted this very specific article right about this this thing. So um, the idea is that what you're what you're writing on the door is um, the first part of the year, so twenty, and then C M B, and then the second part of the year, sixteen. Um, for this year, that is. <laughs> um, and I really like that the letters have two different meanings. So one is related to the three magi. And of course, there could have been any number of magi. There are only three gifts named. And so... I like um, the number people, three anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's a great number. Uh-huh. Um, so many people have taken it to say that, okay, there are three magi. Mm-hmm. Um, so Caspar, Melchior, and Balthazar... I'm sure someone out there is dying laughing about how I would just pronounce those. <laughs> um, but then it also has um, a Latin root. Um, May Christ bless this house, which mm. feels um, fresh and appropriate for both Epiphany and, you know, the turn right after January 1st. And that means Christus Mansionum Benedicat. So, yeah, we're going to have an evening. I think maybe the same evening that we have my family over and um, try these out. I think if nothing else, um, it'll be a good way to try it on. And mm-hmm. and then we're actually going to an epiphany party with some friends. Um, we're flying out to California to be with them. They have an epiphany party every year um, 
that's like their big party. And I know an epiphany meal, an epiphany party is something that you guys are celebrating. So what's yours going to yeah. look like? Well, I love that you said just a bit ago too about you trying that out, the chalking. And I feel like that's what all these, how all these things began, these new traditions that we're making for ourselves. It began by trying it out. And as I'm sure your friends who had an epiphany party one year thought, we're going to try it out. And it's yeah. become such a huge thing for them. And I think for the same... In the same way, we tried this out last year, an epiphany meal, as we were really wanting to have those full 12 days. And as we talked about at the beginning, it's so I mean, I think when I'm envisioning it in Advent, I'm like, oh, 12 days of spaciousness and rest and carols and light and Jesus, <laughs> you know, and it, and as we said, it's been hard to do the 12 days staying in that in that place of hope and peacefulness and togetherness. And so I really wanted to have that capstone, not just the day, but to mark it with something. And so we had some friends over, and I think I mentioned last time about being intentional about how we, and when we eat meat. And so we've decided the Epiphany, our Epiphany feast will be lamb, which is a new kind of Ooh. meat, but I feel like it's a nod to to you know, the East. And also it was a Jamie Oliver recipe I wanted to, <laughs> wanted to try. So we'll be eating that and we eat by candlelight. I mentioned in um, one of the previous episodes that we changed the centerpieces out and that's, that's just something else we tried. Like it's just come to me um, for, for the seasons. And so we'll put a lantern in there and then we'll eat by candlelight, which I feel like kind of alludes to the the ninth star and also I feel like that just changes the atmosphere too we were talking about the five senses that Mm -hmm. kind of sets the tone for a time of intention as we close one season and move to the next and then well, we, it kind of makes you lean into one another yeah, and lean oh, into exactly. the conversation much much more than you would need to Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. yeah everything seems reverent in a way Mm -hmm. and softened Mm -hmm. definitely and I feel like it's a great time too to go around and share any any resolutions or hopes for the new year words for the new year so mine is receive last year it was released we talked we've talked about this before together Jen I know and that word actually came to me when walking uh, a labyrinth on on Christmas Eve. That's the Episcopal Cathedral in Seattle offers that, and this was the first time we went. So there's a new mm. a new trying a new tradition as well. And I had had those two paired words in walking with labyrinths before. I think I set out once wanting to walk in with the word release and then walk out with the word receive. But <laughs> just as with spiritual practice throughout the day and the Christmas season too, like. It's not one big release and one big receive. It's like every 10 seconds for me, you know, Mm -hmm. release and receive. And so I have to call myself back to release and receive, release and receive. And so that's a new thing for me, too. I have got this new word for the year, receive, and I have many hopes for that word, curiosities about where it'll show up. And yet I'm not done with the word release. And so I'm taking them with me into this new year Mm -hmm. as a pair. I like that. And then something else I might share at the Epiphany meal or um, just hold close to myself is 
rule of uh, having a rule of life, establishing a rule of life. And I've done that before in, in graduate school when studying various spiritual practices and also wrote a book called Pilgrim Principles, Journeying with Intention Through Everyday Life. And it's a rule of life I wrote with the pilgrim in mind. And so I'll put a link in the show notes there. And those those help to guide me. I feel like, and I think I say this in the book too, you know, we think rule of life, like rules you have to follow, but I feel like instead they're guideposts. And so something to return to, something that I want to live by. And so those are certainly something that my way of being as a seeker of the sacred uh, is governed by this pilgrim principles rule of life, both at home and when traveling abroad. But your invitation in the planner as I sat down to reset, reflect and reset for the new year has um, brought me to think about the personal rules in my life that I'd like to have to guide me day in and day out and things like practicing Sabbath or something that's been a long time practice of mine, a morning ritual, things like that. And so I'll be reflecting on those in the days and months to come and excited to have that to go alongside my pilgrim principles as well. Yeah. And your, your book has been, um, helpful for me as I have been thinking about crafting a rule of life as well. It's been really fun in the Facebook group to have so many folks who got their planner, got their essentials workbook and started playing with this idea of a rule of life for the very first time. And then others who are of course seasoned pros much more so (laughs) than myself even, um, it's, it's been neat to see how it kind of came alongside different people at, at different points in their journey. And so many people have already, you know, carved out the space and time to create this or um, to kind of refresh it for the coming year to keep their current season in mind um, a little bit more fully as they're envisioning how they'll engage with it. But um, I actually haven't done that yet for myself this year. And so... I decided to give myself the entire month of mm. January to be um, listening and reflecting and discerning. Um, I like that. How how my rule of life might change or be embodied in this next year, and so um, I'll actually be sharing a whole series of um, webinars and times of of gathering together to reflect on this and. Um, yeah, if you're on our newsletter list, you'll get all the details. We're hoping that our website will be back up, fully ready to go by the end of January. Obviously, I'd love for it to be sooner, but <laughs> we think the end of January is actually doable. Um, so the only way to hear about those webinars and get more details on crafting a rule of life, um, at least from us, of course, um, will be through signing up for the newsletter at sacredordinarydays.com. And um, Lacey and I will be continuing conversations about the role of crafting a rule of life, the role of daily practices, and um, specifically the the role of discernment in all of this. You know, Lacey referred to the Magi and their particular practices of studying the prophecies, looking for signs, and following a path. So yeah, we'll talk about that more next episode, but today, um, for our benediction, if you've been listening along, you know that 
Um, Lacey and I always take turns saying a benediction, prayer of blessing at the end of each episode. But today I'm going to sing it. (laughs) Um, I know that many churches have a sung benediction. Um, So does mine. And um, so does one of my most favorite resources and the one that we use for our uh, weekly small groups as well as um, daily times of prayer and reading in our house. Um, And that's um, Common Prayer, a Liturgy for Ordinary Radicals. Um, It's a 2010 book um, by Shane Claiborne, Jonathan Wilson Hartgrove, and Enuma Okoro. And if you have that book... You can turn to page 575. If you don't have that book, you can go to bit.ly slash common prayer song and find the sheet music. It seems like a fitting sending given given that this season of Epiphany is about the balance of come and see, go and tell. And so um, I'll read the song through once and then I'll sing it once. I know that when we're in a group that's just learning this song, um, we like to sing it through three or four times so that folks can really feel like they get the hang of it. So if you're new, I'd encourage you to pause it when I'm done singing and then sing it a few more times to yourself and then come back for Lacey's final words. May the peace of the Lord Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you through the wilderness, protect you through the storm. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again into our doors. May the peace of the Lord Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you through the wilderness, protect you through the storm. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again into our doors. What are your thoughts on Epiphany, and how do you plan to mark it? What star is guiding you in the season ahead? Let us know in the Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Sacred Ordinary Days Tribe, or on social media using the hashtag Sacred Ordinary Days. You'll hear from us again on Wednesday, January 20th, when we'll discuss ordinary time, daily practices, and the role of discernment. Follow along, subscribe to the Sacred Ordinary Days podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, or your favorite podcast app. And if you're enjoying the show so far, we'd love for you to help us spread the word by leaving an iTunes review. For more resources on the liturgical calendar and spiritual formation, join me at sacredjourney.net and jen at sacredordinarydays.com.